that amazing time of worship that we had. God, I, I pray now as we go into the time and the preaching and teaching of your word, Lord, that our hearts would be ready, God, to re- receive what you have for us, to be attentive to the word that you have to pour into us today. God, we know that your word has the power to change lives. And God, that's what I pray for this morning, that, that somebody's life would be changed through the power of your word and the working of the Holy Spirit in this place. God, I pray that you do amazing things in our lives. God, sometimes we come with low expectations, but Lord, we know that you're capable of doing great things. Uh, sometimes there's just a disconnect between our understanding, God, and what you're capable of. So Lord, I pray that you just bridge that gap this morning, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open to what you need to do. God, just be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, good morning. Um, I guess what's going to happen if we continue to bring in more chairs, we're going to have to push back the curtain, we're going to have to take the curtain back so that we have some more places to sit. Um, that'll be okay. We'll, we may have like a tear down the curtain drive or something like that. It's a good problem to have. I appreciate all of you guys being here. Uh, we continue in our, our series, Regifted, this morning. Um, and we've been talking about the spiritual gifts that we have and the abilities that God has poured into us through, our, through the Holy Spirit that, that dwells within us. How we start out in our lives, we, as we're born, as we're knit together in our mother's womb, that we have certain abilities, that natural talents, if you will, that, that are innate inside of us. You know, some of us are, are very good mathematicians, some are very good readers, some are very good like, speakers, and you know, that's just stuff that's born within you. But there are some of us that... that, that you know, we feel like we're kind of lacking or, or we're not exactly capable or what have you. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And all of a sudden, believe it or not, whether you, whether you choose to believe it or not, the Bible tells us that when you become saved, when you become a follower of Christ, that what happens is the Holy Spirit enables you to do things, supernatural abilities that you don't have before you get saved. That the Holy Spirit enables you to do things that you couldn't ordinarily do. So if you're falling short or you feel like I'm inept in this particular area of my life, uh, be on guard. It may be such that the Holy Spirit is going to come in and shake up your life, turn your life upside down, and where you thought that maybe you were weak, that's probably going to be the place where you're strong, and, and the Holy Spirit is going to use you for the kingdom if you will be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life. I remember for me, uh, when, when God called me to ministry, I've told you guys this, that I felt like God had got the wrong number. Like he must have been trying to call the guy beside me and he just so happened, uh, I like overheard the conversation of the guy beside me and, and I thought that God was talking to me because that, that was what I was convinced of because I was standing there and, and I was looking down at this whole line of pastors in, in the front of the church and they were having this Bible conference and I was standing there and I was just looking and, and it's like, I know it sounds crazy or whatever, but it was really like the voice of God spoke directly to my heart and said, if you will let me do in, in your life what I want to do in your life, then you'll be one of those standing down there one day. And I went, what? Are you kidding me? There is no way. There's no possible way. I, I'm, not, I'm not a gifted speaker. I don't understand this Bible well enough. I, I don't have any of the abilities that it takes in order to be a, a, a pastor of a church. There's no way that that could come to fruition. It sounds like it's pretty ridiculous, right? I mean, how in the world could Kenny Nix become a pastor of a church? That didn't make good sense, does it? All of y'all are like shaking your head like, yeah, that is crazy. I know. That is pretty weird. But what happened was God wrecked my life. He turned it upside down, said, yeah, you're not able, but I am. And because I am able, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. And, and you stand back and you watch. I mean, really, that's the way it feels in my life. I've stood back and I've watched and seen what God has done, and I'm like, Wow. This, this is amazing. It's, it's amazing to watch God work. And it's really amazing when you watch God work in your life, and it's your own life, and you're going, wow, man, that really is amazing. 
Because you know what you're capable of, right? You know deep down like what abilities you have and all that kind of stuff. But then when God comes in and wrecks your life, you go, wow, he really is God. He really is all-powerful. You know, they say that, but man, he really is. I've seen it firsthand because he did it in my life. You know what happens, though? When God turns your life upside down and, and you, you, you realize that you have some of these spiritual gifts, you've been re-gifted, if you will, um, you have a tendency to want to share that with people, don't you? You're like, I've seen what God has done in my life. He, he really needs to do that in your life. I, I see where some of the shortcomings are in your life, just like I was in that same spot, man. I, I feel you. I've been, I've been there, and I, I know what you went through and all this kind of stuff. And you go, man, I need to tell you about this amazing God that we have and what he's able to do in your life and how he's able to, to make the impossible possible and, and all of these things that, that you just never thought could come to fruition. They can really happen for you, and you want to tell people about that if you're a follower of Christ. If the Holy Spirit really dwells within you, um, there are some people, believe it or not, that they, they appear to be followers of Christ, but they're not. There's some people that, that have a good facade, and they wear the right clothes, uh, they wear the right T-shirts, they got the, the, the Jesus pin on their shirt, or you know, they, maybe they go to a Christian school or what have you, and, and it, they look like they're Christians, but the reality is they're not. Um, you know what the saddest part, you know what the saddest part is? This amazing gift that's available to us, this amazing gift of salvation to become a follower of Christ, to know that eternity with God is possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, is to take that opportunity and waste it. Uh, in the current world, there's a lot of people wasting opportunities. Right, you agree with me there? Like, I looked at Michael Vick. Everybody knows who Michael Vick is, right? I mean, he he, he, went to, he went to prison and stuff for, for, you know, fighting dogs and all this kind of stuff. And I don't really understand all the ins and outs of what Michael Vick did. And I don't really care. Um, I, I know that he's a great athlete. And you go, man, that is an amazing wasted opportunity. Here's a guy who's got tons of money, tons of athletic ability. He's got tons of people wanting him to be on their team. And, and he's got to go and do something stupid, right? You're like, what is up with you, man? What's wrong with your brain? Why do you want to do that? You got somebody, Lindsay, Lo, Lindsay Lohan, uh, I think she call, they call her Lilo now, right? Isn't that her nickname, Lilo? Yeah, she's been in the news recently. I, I don't know what she's in trouble for, but all I saw on Fox News is that she's supposed to potentially go back to jail. She's in trouble again. Had numerous run-ins with the law, problems with she didn't want to go to, she didn't want to go in front of a judge like normal people have to do when they break the law. So she's like, ah, that's not me, that's not for me. And the judge goes, oh, yeah, it is, or you'll be in jail, you know, um, and everybody watched, y'all remember Parent Trap, right? When she was in that movie, it was good, right? I mean, Lindsay Lohan, it was awesome. A little kid, you know, and that was a great movie. And you're like, she's got all this potential, all these abilities. She's a gifted actress, and she's blowing it, man. She's just blowing it. Wasted opportunities. Wasted opportunities. Then you got somebody like Tim Tebow. Everybody knows who he is, right? I mean, you know, his career, whatever, I don't really... I don't care what you think about him as far as is he a good football player or not. I don't really care. I'm not a big Florida fan. It doesn't matter to me. But what I will say this is this man doesn't waste any opportunities. When it comes to the kingdom of God, here's a guy who will put John 3.16 on his eye black so that he can at least get people to Google John 3.16 to see what it means, to see what it's about. Reaching people. I mean, just can you imagine just putting that on your eye black and everybody's looking up to this guy and they go, man, I wonder what that John 3.16 thing is all about. 
There's a man who's taken opportunities when they're presented to him, and presented to him. As we talk about as we talk about spiritual gifts, as we talk about the gifts of God, I, I couldn't end this series without telling you that the greatest gift that we have as followers of Christ is the spiritual gift of opportunity. The ability for us as followers of Christ to use these gifts for God's kingdom and his, his, his mission, which is to reach people that, that don't know him, to, to tell people about this transforming power that exists in Jesus Christ. And there's tons of people missing the opportunity. And I will say this, if that is the pattern of your life, if you have this ability, you have these opportunities to share Christ, and you don't, you need to take a serious look at your relationship with Christ, and you need to see if it's real. You need to see if it's legit or not, because I promise you, whether you know it or not, God knows. He does know, you know. We can try to dress up and try to look the part or whatever, but God knows. He knows. And you know what the evidence is? The evidence is, is what do we do with those opportunities? As God has gifted you, as he's he given you abilities, as he's put people in your life, if you want to truly examine whether or not you were a follower of Christ, one of the things that you should look at is what do you do with those opportunities? The opportunities God has given you. What do you do with them? Now, God will test those. You know, at, at some point in time, you know, Jesus is coming back, right? Uh, that his kingdom will be set up on this earth in a physical form that he will rule and reign on this earth, his kingdom will prevail everywhere right here where we're sitting right now. And at some point, at some point, you're going to be forced to deal with the evidence, you know, the, the reality of am I a follower of Christ or not. We need some things to kind of open our eyes right now, don't we? We need some things to kind of show us, are we really, truly a follower of Christ, or are we not? Are we playing a game? Because some of us are a little bit confused by that. And what God does in his word, through a a, a parable that that you guys are very familiar with, we're going to talk about today, it's called the parable of the talents. What God does is he kind of like puts us through the test. He challenges you through his word to test yourselves to see if you are truly in the kingdom or not. And it's all about opportunity. That's what it is. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. So we'll start with a parable of the talents that you guys have heard a million times before. My hope and prayer is that through his word, he's going to open your eyes to something. Or maybe you, you're like, I never looked at it that way. Or I just needed to be reminded of that or, or, or something. Here we have in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, it says this. Again, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a man going on a long trip. He called his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave, them, he gave five bags of silver to one, to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Now, we know that this is the parable of the talents, and a talent is just a measure of money at this point in time. In the NLT version, it just calls it silver, and really what we're talking about is just a certain amount of money. For us, we know that the word talent means that that also kind of relates to ability. So when people talk about talents, you immediately say, well, that has to do with my abilities. And that's exactly what I believe God is talking about here through his word is, is this opportunities, these people that have been blessed with either spiritual gifts for them to be able to use them for God's kingdom, 
These are people maybe that, that God has put in your life. This could be any number of things, but this is about God's kingdom and what you are doing with what God has entrusted to you. These servants are us. These servants represent you and I. And here we have this, this master who's going away on a trip, and he's entrusted his servants with talents. God has gone away on a long trip when Jesus Christ ascended and went back to be with his Father in heaven, right? And we just talked about the fact that his kingdom is coming again one day. And it says a long trip because I believe this is reference to the fact that we don't really know when he's coming back. We don't really have any clue. We can't wrap our minds around that. Uh, God has kind of kept that a secret from us. So here we have this master who's gone away on a long trip, and you got these servants who've been entrusted. you got one that is given five, one that is given two, one that is given one. And here is what they do with it. When you read this, I want you to think about what am I doing with the opportunity of the gospel for Jesus Christ? What am I doing? Here's what happens in verse 16. The servant who received five, five bags of silver, sorry, I keep wanting to put talent in there, five bags of silver, began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they had used uh, the money that he'd given them. Some people are more gifted than others, okay? Some people have more uh, opportunity than others. Some people are very new in their relationship with Christ, and maybe they have a very limited understanding of the gospel, but God has given you an ability for the kingdom, now, once you become a Christ follower, at the very minimum, you have this. You have the ability to share with somebody your testimony. You have the ability to say to somebody, this is what God did in my life. He can do this in your life. Now, the only way that you don't have a testimony is if God didn't do anything in your life and you're not a follower of Christ. That is the only way. So all of us in this room, if we're a follower of Christ, then we have at least our testimony. We have at least one talent that we can use, Right? When people say, well, I don't, have, I don't have the ability, man, I'm just not, that's not just my thing, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I'm just not gifted in that way. I go, well, you at least got one thing, you got your testimony. If you don't have a testimony, then you're not a Christ follower. And that about sums it up, right? And, and, and some people are, are very gifted in their understanding of the gospel. We know guys that, man, they, they, they've been studying the Bible for 60 years and they write commentaries and they... They have these amazing churches with thousands of members and all this kind of stuff, and, and they're really gifted in their ability to preach and teach the Word of God, and they're like, glory to God, it is amazing to see what they're doing for God's kingdom, how they're using their time wisely to study and prepare and share God's Word with people, and it is amazing. And then some people are like the guy with two talents. Man, he's got, he's got some ability. He's got, he's got some ability to do some more things beyond just his testimony. He's got a, a greater understanding of the gospel. He's got a, a little bit more ability than the guy with just one talent. But the guy with five and the guy with two, they go off and they start working. I love the fact that the NLT uses a version, uh, uses the, uh, the term work because that's what it is. You know what it is? I mean, for the gospel, for God's kingdom, it really is work. Um, I, I, I can tell you in here to make things happen for Sunday mornings, there's people that are working that you don't ever see or know that they're working, but they are working, man. There's people making stuff for Sunday mornings to bring in food that you guys have something to eat. There's people practicing their instruments. And by the way, ladies, that was amazing. Um, I don't know if we're going to let any guys play anymore because all of you ladies being up here, that was phenomenal. Uh, I do appreciate <laughs> being all women today. That was really cool. I was sitting there going, man, that was really good. I don't think we're letting guys come back anymore. No, it was really good. Thank you for that, ladies. But they're, they're working back here, and they're, they're preparing and getting ready and all this kind of stuff. And you got, 
folks running sound and running screens and preparing to put scripture up there for you guys to look at and all this kind of stuff. And people are working because God has given them ability. God has given them opportunity and they just want to use it because they're followers of Christ. They want other people to know about this Christ. They want other people to know about his amazing grace and his salvation that he offers. And because of that, they, they just use it and they work. You got five and two and one. It says, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give account for how they had used his money. I believe that this is God at some point in time, at some point in the future. We don't know when. We, all we know is a long time coming back and saying, all right, what, what have you done? What, what, with what I've given you, what have you done with it? Some people, I'm afraid the answer is going to be, well, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Now, understand something. I am not telling you that, the, that, that salvation can be accomplished by works. That is not what I, I'm going to reiterate this because I want to make sure you understand this. You cannot earn your way to Christ. There's nothing you can do. For by grace, Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Man, if we could earn our way there, you know what would happen is we'd boast about it. So God says, not that way. But in verse 10 it says, you are my craftsmanship, my workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which I have planned before, a long time ago. What I want to tell you this morning is that that salvation is not about you working your way to get there, but salvation is that once you have it, once you have a relationship with Jesus, there is going to be evidence in your life, and you're going to work because of it. That there's going to be something that's going to come out of your life. There's going to be fruit produced because you, you have this dwelling within you, and the evidence of your life is going to show that. You're not going to be able to deny it. You're not going to be able to, 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 to erase it. You, you just, it's going to be there. So when you're looking, you're looking to examine your life, you go, well, what fruit do I have? What, what's, what's coming out of my life? What am I doing with what God has entrusted to me? If it's nothing. If it's nothing, well, that may mean that, that you don't really have Jesus. You're not really in his kingdom. Are you telling me, Kenny, that if, if I'm not working inside the church or, or working this or working that, then I'm not a Christ follower? I think the, the evidence, according to what I read in Scripture, is that may very well be the case. If you're going about your life and, and there's no motivation for the gospel, if there's no motivation to, to increase the kingdom, I, I really believe, according to what Scripture says, there's, an ev there's evidence there that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That all the things that we read about heaven and, and what it's going to be like and when Christ returns and, and called up to meet him in the air and that all happening in the twinkling of an eye and his kingdom being set up on this earth and there be just this river of, of, of water that flows through there that is the glory of God that just gives us peace and tranquility forever that you won't be there. You, you, you won't experience that. He said, well, Kenny, I, I don't know I've ever heard you preach like this. This is kind of a hard teaching. This is what the Word of God says. And I cannot very well stand up here and tell you about the gifts of God and tell you about how God has entrusted us with these things without telling you the truth. Of, if there's not evidence in your life, if you're just not showing something, then there's probably nothing to be evident of. There's probably nothing there. There's no relationship there. I cannot deny that that is truth, and that is what Scripture teaches. And I will not tell you anything else besides the truth of Scripture. The servant... In verse 20, it says, A servant who 
he had entrusted five bags of silver, came uh, forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. He says, you've given me a lot. So in return, I've taken what you've given me and I've doubled it. A 100% increase on what God had given him. He'd given five more. After being entrusted with five, he got five more for a total of ten. He says, Master, I have used what you've given me. I've worked hard, and what has come out of it is that we've, we've doubled, we've increased. And verse 21 says, The master was full of praise. Oh, glory to God, if I can see that one day, if I can say, God, I labored hard, I tried very hard for your kingdom, I did the best I could to see my master one day looking at me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Can you imagine anything more glorious than that? Can you imagine anything before, besides standing in front of the Son of God, the, the King of all kings, and he says, well done. You, you finished the race. You, you, you did what I called you to do. You used what I'd given you for my kingdom, and because of that, there's a lot of people here, and there's a lot of people that, that understand the gospel because of what you did. He says, Master was full of praise. And this is what he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. To whom much is given, much is required. So this is evidence of that, that that God, if he pours a lot into you, if if you've got lots of opportunities, lots of gifts, lots of uh, abilities that you're to use them for his kingdom. And verse 22 says this, And the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, You gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handing a small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He says the very same thing to the one that had two. So what this tells me is no matter what God has given you, you're responsible to do something with it. However great, however small, you're supposed to take what you have and use that for God's glory. Use that for the master to increase and to double. There's some people that say, well, I, wouldn't, I didn't do this or I didn't have enough of that. And excuses is what we have a lot of times, right? More than anything, we have a lot of excuses for why we're not doing anything. It's not that God hasn't given us abilities or, or God hasn't gifted us to do certain things. Uh, more often than not, the thing that, that we like to rely on is our excuses. We want to, to sit on our hands and go, well, I just can't. And God says, no. No, as the master, I can see what I've entrusted to you. I, see, we think that we're hiding stuff from God sometimes, man. We, we think that, that God doesn't know or, 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 you know, we try to talk ourselves out of stuff and God's just the whole time going, I know what I've given you. I know what abilities you have. I know what, you, what opportunities I've given you. What have you done with those opportunities? And the, and the one that had two got just the same reward as the one that had five because they had been faithful with God had given them, what the master had given them. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. And he said small amount here, just like he said small amount about the guy who had five. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's the same amount to God. It's the same. And he says, you've done good things. And then we get to the sad part. And I don't like ending, ending with, with a sad note or any of that kind of stuff. I, it's, it doesn't. Sometimes, though, it's required. Because the word of God, it, it corrects us. It instructs us, it challenges us, and it breaks our hearts sometimes. And today it happens to end on one of those heartbreaking notes. And I'm sorry that it does, but I cannot deny the truth of Scripture. And this is what it says. 
The servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops uh, you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Uh, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. So what happened is the guy with one talent, one one bag of silver, he goes and he, he buries it in a hole and he says, well, I was afraid. This was his excuse. We've all got different excuses. This happens to be his excuse. I was afraid. There's a lot of people that they don't use the gifts that God's given them because they're afraid. There's a lot of people that don't take the opportunities God lays before them because they're afraid. This man happens to have the same affliction. He's afraid. But he, he, he says something about the master that's not true. He, he says something that, he says, look, I, I know that you, you reap where you have not sown. He, he, says, he says, I know that you're taking crops from, from places that, that, that you didn't even plant them. You know? He, 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 the reality is that he doesn't know the master. He doesn't really know the master. He, know, he doesn't have any clue about who the master really is. And this is evidence because you see that when in his testimony he says, he says, I see where you take where you haven't sown. You're stealing from other people. This guy didn't know the master. That was the problem. He didn't know the master. And because that he didn't know the master, he said he was a harsh man. And, and I will say this, that sometimes following Christ and doing the things that God has called you to do is hard. Sometimes it's real hard. And even more often than not, it's real, real, real hard. You know, but that's no excuse for us to say, I'm not going to do it because God says, yes, you must. I've given you, so you must give. Here's a guy who's afraid. He goes and buries it in a hole. He doesn't know the master. He doesn't know who the master really is. He thinks he's a man that steals. He said, I didn't cultivate. I, I, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Like He thought, well, that's good enough. At least I'll just give him what he gave to me, and that'll be enough. But the master replied in verse 26, You wicked and lazy servant. I hate ending on a note like this, but this is the way this particular parable wraps up. And I want you to understand that the reason that it feels hard for some of you right now is because God is speaking to you and he wants a relationship with you. You may be sick to your stomach right now as you hear me read these words, but let me tell you that God is doing this for your own good because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to be able to use you for his kingdom, but you have to be obedient. You have to be obedient. You have to respond. You can't sit there on your hands and think that that's enough. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I had crops and I didn't plan and gather crops and didn't cultivate, why, did you deposit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least you have gotten some interest on it. Now, in this particular day and time, the Romans had banks, and you could go and take your money, and, and you could go and, and invest it. And the Romans would lend that money out to other people, just like banks do today. And the return on that investment was sometimes around 6%, something like that. They would loan people out money for about 12%. They were doing what banks do today. They were making a little profit off of that, right? He says, if you truly knew me, if you truly were afraid, if you truly had all these thoughts about me and you knew who I was, then why didn't you at least take the, what, the money I had entrusted with you and go and invest it? At least you would have gotten something more in return. But this guy, he didn't even do that. Because he was lazy, he just said, man, I'm not even going to bother investing. I'm just going to dig a hole. I'm going to stick it in a hole and at least... When the master comes back, I'll just be able to give him what he gave to me, and that'll be good enough. 
I think this is evidence of how we felt about the master. I think this is evidence of how he knew the master or the fact that he didn't know the master. And because of that, you can see it in his life. For some of you, it is immediately, blatantly obvious what your relationship is with the master. The, the fruit of your life, the outcome of your life, the overflow of your mouth, the, the actions in your life. It's immediately obvious, maybe not to everybody around you, but to you. You know what your relationship is like with the master. You know whether you know him or not. And you look at the, the evidence in your life and you go, man, this may be me. This may be me. I'm not even investing. I'm not even taking what God has given me and, and trying to earn 6% off of it. I'm not taking it and doing anything with it. I'm just burying it in a hole. That may be, that may be for you. That may be evidence of the fact that you don't know the master. But it's even worse. It gets worse from here. It goes downhill from here. It says in verse 28, Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to one of the ten bag, the one with ten bags of silver. He took it and gave it to the one who had, who had five bags and then multiplied it and had ten. He, he gave it to him. He already had plenty, but he gave it to him. And he says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they will have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness there will be, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, it sounds like bad news, doesn't it? It sounds like bad news. And it is bad news. It is in a lot of ways. You see, for those that don't, don't know Jesus, they are condemned already. God sent not his son to condemn the world, but those that didn't know him, they're, they're condemned already. You see, but the good news is this. The good news is this. There is this beautiful thing called salvation where you put your faith and trust in Jesus and he comes in and he turns your life upside down and he wrecks your life in a lot of ways and you go in different directions than what you were going before and you're confused by it sometimes and sometimes you're amazed by it and, and most of the time it's just a difference in your life but let me tell you something. The beautiful part about that is that difference is for all of eternity. When you, when you do what, what Maggie did today, which was she, she publicly professed the fact that she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you notice that I, I, I asked her, I said, I said, do you commit yourself now to following that Holy Spirit that lives within you? Do you commit yourself to being an active, functioning part, member of the body of Christ? This, where Christ is the head and we are all the functioning members of the body, do you commit yourself to doing that? You see, there's a reason we did the baptism at the beginning of the service today. And that was so that people could see, that her testimony could be given and people could see. But more than that is so that you, at this time, when God is stirring in your life and he's stirring your heart and he's breaking your heart of the condition of your life, that you can have a chance to respond to him. Because this is the most important part of the service. As the Holy Spirit of God is moving on you and he's challenging you about what does your life look like and where am I in your, in your life and do you really have a relationship with me, this is the most important part. The question, the question for you is, is what is the evidence of your life? Do you know the master? Do you know the master? I hope, I hope and pray. Look, don't think for a second that... that that you got to have all, all, everything worked out, that you got to have everything straightened out in your life to make a commitment to follow Christ. That's not the way it works. 
So the way it works is you come and you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And I don't know what that means, and I don't know how many people in my life are going to disappear because, because I love you, and, and, and I want to follow you. Kayla talked about, and we still continue to pray for this guy named Hassan, who, who his grandmother was a witch doctor, and, and she was uh, doing all this kind of stuff that is, that is worshiping ancestors and worshiping Satan and all this kind of stuff. And we still continue to pray for this grandson, Hassan, who became a follower of Christ. And he's being persecuted right now as we speak in Tanzania, Africa, because of his faith in Jesus Christ. But Kayla told us just a few minutes ago back there as we were lifting him up in prayers that she said he's still pushing forward. He's still doing what God's called him to do. Man, some of us won't even do what God's called us to do with no opposition. Can you imagine if your whole family was ready to disown you and they were ready to kick you out of the village and not have you, you not have any place to sleep or eat? Can you imagine pushing forward for the gospel then? It's challenging stuff. It is. But what happens is when God comes in and wrecks your life, when he comes in and the Holy Spirit of God comes in and, and takes hold of your life, it turns everything upside down. And you start working. There starts to be evidence in your life of what God is doing. And, and it overflows. And you want to tell people about it. And you want to bring people to church. And you want to, you want to pour into them because God has convicted you. That that's what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ. There's supposed to be an overjoying, uh, uh, overwhelming joy that happens in your life that people want to know where that comes from. There's evidence there. Is there evidence there for you? If there's not, let me invite you to come and grab me. I'll, I'll be happy to... to show you somebody that can talk to you or I'll be happy to pray with you and tell you what it means to be a Christ follower. I would love more, nothing more than for you to come and submit your, your life to Christ this morning and I'll just leave this holy hot tub set up and filled up with water and we'll baptize you next Sunday. It'll be okay. Whatever the case, man, whatever the case, whatever God is convicting you of, just respond to his Holy Spirit. That's, that's what I ask. You just be obedient to what God is calling you to do. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, I know probably in a room like this, God, there's probably people here, but they don't know you. God, the evidence of their life when they look at it is that they don't have a relationship with you. So Lord, I, I pray that you just convict their souls. God, I, I want nothing more than, than for none to perish, but all come to repentance, just as Peter said. Lord, I, I desire that, that people get saved in this place, that they surrender their heart and their life in this place, all for your glory. God, I know that you're working in people's life right now. I know that there are people that their hearts are just overflowing. God, their hearts are just beating out of their chest, Lord, because your Holy Spirit is trying to tell them, trying to speak to them and say, you don't know me. You just don't know me. And God, the, the, the beautiful part of it is the fact that to just know you, all we have to do is confess and come and say, I want to know you. I believe in who you are, and I just want a relationship with you. Lord, I pray, God, if somebody, if that's what's going on in their life, Lord, that they would just surrender to you. God, in our lives, we try to do everything our way, and we try to force our will in this world. And Lord, we know that that's not possible. God, it is only through you, Lord. We can only just rest in the peace that you have everything in your hands and in your control. God, if we would simply stop trying to do things our way and start doing them your way, God, we would, we would find that wellspring of living water. God, that we would never be thirsty again. I know there are probably thirsty people in here. God, I pray that you convict their souls. God, bring them to you this morning, all for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Everybody please stand.
If God is speaking to you and you just need to come talk to me or come talk to somebody, I'll be right down here. I'd love to talk to you and tell you about what it means to have a relationship with Christ.